0: previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. I think he speaks for a lot of people because when we get different voices, yeah. mm-hmm. people go, "Well, who's that? Well, what do they do?" Yeah, you know, uh, someone we'll, has contributed to our jingles. Did the yeah. Taxman song? Really wonderful. Yes, but it reminds me of when people were curious about Claude because they'd heard his name before, yes, Claude, but they'd never heard him, and they all assumed Claude, Claude went to Bandon, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Claude's playing golf in Bandon, dude. Yeah, he's a big golf fan. Yeah, that's well, you know that's yeah. good. But he, they didn't know who. Well, they thought well, Claude he was, didn't speak. They thought he was French. <laughs> was oh, was his name is Claude Liss. <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All righty then. I want to just give you the geography of the show today because it's a little bit different than normal. Michael and I are six feet apart, comfortably distanced, at Uncle Benny's table. Nigel is in Queens, New York. Sean is in New York, New York, right? You're in Manhattan, New York. New Jersey. Oh, you're in New Jersey? Yes. So we have a lot of different people over a great stretch of area, and we'll see if the show works out. We hope everybody's connected right now, but we will see if the show works out. That is the geography. Let's get to the actual show. I took the dog out this morning, took Chessie out at about 6.15, and there was a lot of commotion because it's the first day of school. In Washington DC it may be the first day of school where you are I, I I don't know it's the first day of school in Washington DC and it is the first day of
1: school for the baby boy Bootsy what is what's the plan you're gonna make me cry Dad. Uh, uh yeah uh, Walker starts kindergarten today yeah uh, this is I remember picking up the bagels today I remembered last year on this day Montgomery County's first day so many of our listeners have probably already gone through this in the last two weeks we've seen the photos the back-to-school outfits for us, it is a uh, it, it's this it's this Monday the twenty ninth, and we've had these visit days. We took uh, the bootster to go meet his kindergarten teacher on Friday. Right. completely shut down. Yeah. Does the move where he goes behind dad's legs, uh, <laughs> hands immediately around the thigh, but you then take him home to debrief, and he he loved it. He enjoyed seeing his classroom. He's already met one or two friends. We had a visit day on the playground, but uh, I think it's going to be a, a tough morning for for mom as she does the drop off.
0: So I remember when Elizabeth went to school for the first time, and this was pre-K, not kindergarten, this was pre-K, and the school, Lafayette Elementary School, is about six blocks away from the house, and I took her to school and was ready to take her across the street into the school when she said, I'm good. I'll take it from here. <laughs> that was the end of that. It was, the anxiety was all mine. She had absolutely no anxiety and liked it right away. So I do remember that. So good luck with the baby boy. And uh, it is the first day of school is, you know, not just the first day of school for him as the first day ever of school. But the first day of school for everybody, even the high school seniors, is exciting. It's exciting. And it, 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 it's the end of summer. Labor Day is not the end of summer you know september twenty first is not the end of summer. first day of school is the end of summer
1: right yeah and it's it's new routines for all of us. You're gonna see this with um with after school pickup with with that evening commute and for us, we were so protected with the age of our kids over the last two years just because they're going to a small neighborhood preschool and this is a larger i mean it's a it's a k five pre k five and this is just sort of uh you have to get used to these larger situations. I and mean, this is a school that's not mass. There's no vaccine requirement. We're comfortable with where our family is, but uh, yeah. it's just, it's, it is that new beginning. So over the weekend I did nothing. Um,
0: I can't play golf because my course is closed. I can't play with Alan because Alan was out in Delaware. So I did nothing. I just sat around and I did nothing. And I watched a lot of television. I watched the golf and I watched the Nats. <clears throat> I made sure to watch the Nats. The Nats, not yesterday, not Sunday, but on Saturday, they get everything they can possibly get from Paolo Espino. Paolo Espino is their best starter, which is a sad commentary on the Nats because he really should be, at this point in his career, a long reliever. They take him out of a game. I think it's a one nothing or a 1-1 game. They take him out with two on, and they bring in a guy named McGee. I've never heard of this guy. Don't know who he is. Don't know where they got him from. McGee gives up two home runs in the inning and they're losing 5 to 1 at the end of the inning. I read that McGee is 36 years old and has been in the majors for a long time. What in God's name are the Mets, the Mets, the Nats doing bringing in somebody a stopgap 36 year develop your pitchers. This guy's not going to be with you. Develop your pitcher. So, this made me very, very angry. As a 36 year old, I
1: take that personally.
0: Well, but you, if you know, (laughs) he's at the end of his career and he shouldn't be pitching for the Nats. They should be pitching people to see if they have any ability. Yesterday, though, yesterday the Nats broke their streak at 43 straight games of not having a starter win the game. Let me go through this very specifically that doesn't mean they lost 43 straight games it doesn't mean their starters lost 43 straight times it just means that for a variety of reasons one being that a starter didn't go the full 5 innings right that would be one did starter doesn't go the full 5 innings another situation being that the starter goes 5 or goes 6 has a lead The lead is lost. The starter doesn't get the win, even if they get the win. Again, they're not 0 for 43 at this point. But what they are at this point is no starter has gone at least five innings, left with a lead. The lead has been sustained, so the starter wins. That was finally broken yesterday, and it was broken by the right person, Patrick Corbin, who's had a terrible, terrible year and had given up the first two runs of the game they were down 2 nothing early he's had a terrible year but he's gone out there every time they sat him down once you know my position was they should have sat him for the whole year so he wouldn't lose 20 he still can lose 20 he still might lose 20 but he got the win when he left after 6 they were up 3 to 2 I went back and forth with Chuck Todd, and Chuck Todd said, "Now we need insurance runs." And I just started to laugh. There are no, and the Nats don't get insurance runs. They never get insurance runs. But didn't? But now they've snapped. That's the longest ever in the history of
1: baseball: forty-three straight games without a starting pitcher winning. Yeah, that is that is a courtship for you. Uh, he, he is the right person for that. With so many good series this weekend, I can't believe you just gave so much time to the Nats breaking that streak. You got. Braves cards, you have the Phillies who look like they're now a Sherlock, even with that loss uh, to Cincy Sherlock for that one of those wild cards. Still don't know what the Padres are doing. But yeah, let's focus on the Nats starting pitching.
0: Well, I mean, that's, you know, I somehow strangely The Blue don't care Jays about getting that. swept. And I watched a lot of the golf. Um, you all know my position on the golf. I don't like the structure of the tournament. I don't believe that anyone should get strokes, you know, after X amount. Of tournaments all year to give Scotty Scheffler ten ahead of half the field is ridiculous. Scheffler played very well for two days. Other people were close. Shawfle was, re- was very close. Im was close. McElroy was close. Rom was close. Justin Thomas was close for a while. And then yesterday, Scheffler was bad. Let me just say this. Uh, Michael and I have had this conversation. I believe that people usually win tournaments I believe there are occasions when people lose tournaments, but mostly I believe people win tournaments. And McElroy played well yesterday and played well the entire week. This was a case, I believe, Michael, where Scheffler lost the tournament. I think he was three or four over on a Sunday. He's the number one player in the world on a course that people were eating up. He should never have been three or four over. And I believe that McElroy won the tournament. So it's an odd situation for me because I cannot say one takes precedence over another.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you, and I think that's a product of the format that goes into this. Again, this format is changing. You're not going to have that staggered start. But if you're looking at the way they're handing out strokes, Scheffler looked like he needed them uh, coming through that Sunday yesterday. His short game kept him, kept him right there at the lead until McElroy made that huge birdie putt. I think it was on the 15th.
0: The one that curved from left to right yeah. at the end. And it's then McElroy putt.
1: clanks it off, of, off the flagstick to be able to save par on the very next hole. I look at And the, then throws it off the 10th. On the last hole. Yeah, gets a favorable drop. Yes, he does. Um, so, look, this is a tournament that, unfortunately, is about collecting paychecks. You look at Will Zelatoris, who's injured, who gets $500,000 for finishing in last place. And, unfortunately, you don't get to watch a lot of the golf. The most meaningful moves as you're looking. So, McElroy gets, what, $18 million for that. Second place gets the, six. Jay
0: Monahan is so happy that Rory McIlroy won. Rory McIlroy is the most articulate spokesman for the PGA Tour, though he is not born and raised in America. Yeah, and, and He's with,
1: their backbone. And with Tomorrow Sports and with TGL, the Monday Night uh, Golf League, he's basically a full a, billionaire. Uh, a full partner of all this. No, so you start looking at these, uh, these players who are moving up. Max Homa made a huge move and nets a couple million dollars. They, you don't get to watch any of this golf because you obviously have to focus on, on that the, final the group. Leaders, yeah. But in terms of the shifts of what this tournament means for players, it's those, it's those you know, three through ten where you're seeing these huge seismic shifts as to what one putt looks like. Scheffler's last hole, he has to scramble to save par. That five-footer ends up being worth uh, three-quarters of a million dollars.
2: That's, this is the that's one, what the yeah. tour is.
1: So this is the
0: one tournament like that, but this is sort of what the Saudi tour is all the time. It's just a race for money. The Saudi Tour, we expect, will announce today that Cam Smith is joining, and maybe that Harold Varner III is joining. Harold Varner III, a black American golfer going to the Saudi Tour, would, in
1: my mind, be a big loss for the PGA Tour, in my mind. They're both... Both very big losses in terms of Cam Smith. If you net the number two player in the world who has one of the biggest wins that we've seen the last couple of years in that historic 150 the open. open yeah. And you look at McElroy in many ways, what he was not able to do at St. Andrews, he was able to do uh, yesterday, which is convert those birdie looks and take advantage of what his length was offering. Ball speed yesterday in the back nine, he was touching mid 180s. And if you look at what he's doing with that frame versus when we saw Deshamba go through his transformation, that's unbelievable. Even Max Omo's tweeting about it, I think, before their second round where he just wanted to watch Rory hit bombs. So you're a pretty good player. Like, you're a good golfer. What is your ball speed? Uh, that's a very personal question, Dad. Uh, I would say really? this. The, <laughs> the tour average would be. Mine's the, about 50. Uh, you're cracking probably 135 to, you know. When right. you're younger, maybe into the 140s. I would say this. A very good high school golfer is going to be able to touch the mid-160s to 170. Uh, 180 gets you into elite territory on the PGA Tour. To get to mid-180s uh, is, is, again, unbelievable. So you look at tour averages, maybe 166. I'm a little bit below that. And by a little bit, I mean a, a, a decent percentage below that. Right, but you're still a good player. Sure. I, I like to use the ground right now to get, uh, to get back to my closer distances. What does ball speed mean?
0: What does it mean? Like, excuse me. When I watch baseball games and announcers annoyingly say they talk about the velo, the velocity. They
1: don't say velocity. They say velo.
0: I don't know what it means.
1: Yeah, there's probably some uh, physics to this that I can't really explain. But it would be something Mm -hmm. about the the transfer of your, your speed and the efficiency and the quality of your strike. But if you hit it really, really fast and it goes really, really right, what good is it? It Correct. just that's, gets there quicker. That's why you're looking at Rory where he is, uh, you know, it's not even an, an argument. He's the best driver in the modern game that he's able to get those speeds and still maintain his accuracy.
0: A couple of times, though, I watched. He's, he's out there with Scheffler. They both hit good drives. They're actually within five yards of each other. Yeah. So it's, he's not, it's not like McElroy's hitting it 20 yards, 30 yards past somebody.
1: Sure. Again, that's, you, you looked at Sheffler yesterday, was using a lot of the ground to maybe pick up 20, 30 yards. So that's what you mean by using the ground. Yeah.
0: And, and Rory doesn't use the ground because it's so he high? He
1: doesn't necessarily need to. There's a great graphic about this about maybe 10 years ago at Bethpage when it was Rory and Tiger. Do you look at Tiger's angle of attack as he's hitting down on the ball? He's trying to s- sort of hit a squirt out there versus Rory, who hit, used to hit that big sweeping drop.
0: You lost me. Yeah, I know. Oh, I lost everybody, but I didn't want to yeah. go down this,
1: this path. I'm sorry. Okay.
0: Well, well, let's get ready to do the rest of the show. Michael Wilbon will be with us. Liz Clark will be with us to talk about Serena Williams. Um, Nigel, this could be her last her last event ever is that what we think i mean if she loses tonight does she retire or does she you know play wimbledon one more time what does she do well she said uh, this could be her last
3: singles event because she has entered in doubles with his sister so she could she could go very far in the tournament with venus um but right. yeah th- the belief is that this this could be her last singles event yes tonight at seven
0: mm. okay so that'll be on Is that on espn i assume I would, I would think so. I, I mean, because I'm looking they, at ESPN now. They, I see Chris Everett and John McEnroe. So I assume that the rights to this particular event are ESPNs, because we're on ESPN2 today, because the Open is on. So anyway. All right, yeah. we'll get out of here, and uh, we'll come back. Michael Wilbon is no longer in Ireland. Now he's in San Francisco. He's, Michael Wilbon has become Where's Waldo. He's Where's Wilbon. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
1: Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
4: You're listening listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: This is Norwegian Soft Kitten. Glenn Burgerts and Alan Green, Norwegian Soft Kitten. It's a new single called Eyes Closed. The name for our sports teams, they write, at Cricket Witch's Neck High School, which is made up, is the Traveling Amoebas, which is made up. Our yearbook (laughs) name is the Meh. (laughs) which is made up, but Viva La Chiserie is not made up, and it's wonderful. Norwegian Soft Kitten, one of our favorite groups, they play in Michael Wilbon, who has gone from the eastern part of Europe to the western part of the United States. Let's just start with the Ireland trip, which I know was made even better by Northwestern winning, but how was the entire week for you?
5: It was a great week, Tony. It was um, was the week, if I scored it, Gets a nine the week, having yeah. nothing to do with the game. Right. And then the game made it a 10. It's one of the great weeks of my life. Uh, we had a great time, a great trip. You know, I played a couple of just otherworldly golf courses at a Gayer Manor in Ballybunion. And um, to play, play Ballybunion and get like largely a sunny day, but you know, Tony, the temperature in Dublin was like 70. And then you go out to the golf course dressed because it's seventy, right? And the moment you open the doors of the car, you know, oh my God, I've made a mistake. It's fifty-three, and the wind is blowing twenty miles per hour. Oh, and yeah. all of a sudden you're 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 having you know Saturday at the British Open. But it was it, uh, um, just an extraordinary, extraordinary place and experience, and uh, I want to go back. When I am physically stronger and better, and not just recovering from this foot surgery, I want to go back and do it again. Uh, but that was extraordinary. And then for me, so, Tony, it was—it it wasn't a week to tour as much. I do a lot of that when I go uh, abroad. But this was a week that I had a lot of things that related to school business, and I'm a trustee, and that's—you know—that's not a surprise. I knew when I went, there were a lot of meetings and things I needed discussions I needed to have with various people. So that was all facilitated because you're all there together, um, and the restaurants, the food, the people, the all of it, everything, uh, the, the 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 welcome was going to Guinness. We went to Guinness one night. It was they let us take it over, and uh, all of it was extraordinary.
0: Yeah, the, the people who go to play golf for a week in Scotland or Ireland always come back with the same story. They say that. It was beautiful for 20 minutes, then it was 90 miles an hour, and then it was rain, and then it was beautiful yeah. again. And they are constantly yeah. layering and de layering. I mean, yeah. you, you hear this from everybody. Yeah. Bally Bunyan is one of the storied courses in the world. Did you, you know, and, and you also sent me video of Adair Manor. It's, it's just it's breathtakingly beautiful. Yes. It is.
5: Yes, it is. You know, Tony, the only place I've been more beautiful in that way. Than Adair Manor, I think, is Augusta National. Yeah. And it's going to be yeah. a, a Ryder Cup in a few years, in yes. 27, maybe. So at, at Adair Manor, I'm, look, I'm going back there before that. I, I just, it's, you know, um, never been any place like it. And Tony, was, Dublin is the city. I didn't know that Dublin was the city that it is, which is a city maybe of about. I don't know, 700,000, something like that, although the metropolitan area is like a million and a half. But it is just bustling and alive. And it looks like big American cities pre-pandemic. Like the taxis are everywhere. People are out at night late. There clearly is no crime. There are young women walking about unattended, because they're leaving work or a party or just walking to their dogs. And you're like, okay, this is encouraging. This is great. Um, Like I said, great restaurants. It just had a feel to it. It was like New York City. I I did not expect that from Dublin. And it was the kind of place where I just said, yep, I'll come back here in a heartbeat.
0: That's good to know. How was the game? You won the game. You (laughs) were going to lose the game and you won the game.
5: This is um, the most satisfying football win for me that I've attended. Now, I've not attended all the big wins. I wasn't there back in 95 when we beat Notre Dame and Michigan on the road. Back-to-back, I wasn't there for that. Well, I guess Notre Dame was at home. But, Tom, this was, this was the most satisfying win. Because of, the, because of the context of playing, you know, in – Ireland, you're, you're getting a lot of attention for this nationally. We were the only game of consequence with two opponents. We were the only conference game, I think, of yes. the big conferences on Saturday. Yes. And so you have all this buildup. Nebraska had beaten us 56 to 7 last year, 56 to 7. And the odd makers who don't get anything right anymore. The Vegas people, your people, your friends, you court them all the time.
0: Uh, Yeah, I guess. They don't get
5: jack right. They don't get jack right. Because last I checked, last I checked in with the Osmakers, they had the Lakers and Nets in the NBA Finals. How'd that go? So they don't get anything right lately. They had Nebraska was a 13 and a half point favorite.
0: Oh, that's a lot.
5: And Tony, the, the, the thing, the thing that the reason, and I said, you know, I was on some shows and stuff, and people said, well, you know, what do you think is going to happen? I said, we're going to win. We're going to beat Nebraska. Win. Not, not cover the spread. I don't do spreads. We're going to win the game. Because Nebraska, again, is not as good as it thinks it is. And that's the problem for Nebraska, which has been dreadful for, I mean, relative to the expectation. And, and Tony, they've lost seven straight Big Ten games going back to beating us 56-7 last year. And I said, no, oh, we're going to win this game. This is not last year. We're not a kind of situation where we're going to be great every year. Two years ago, we were great. We got to the, the, the Big Ten championship game. Big Ten game final. And scared, the hell, yeah. big, scared the hell out of Ohio State. So I said, no, no, we're, we're, we're going to win. And Nebraska is going to put a lot of pressure on their kids, and they're going to talk about how great they're going to be again. as if Johnny Rogers is walking through that door, and I told I, I texted many times with our dear friend Mike Greese. Who well, I'm so sad it wasn't there because he had back surgery, as you know. I think and Mike couldn't couldn't yeah. travel just yet. And I said, Mike, no, no, no. This is and you know that's what happens, Tony. They think they're better than they are all the time.
0: I will say this, and and I I agree with I agree with what you're saying that they think they're better because it is more important in the state of Nebraska to be better than it is in almost any other state. It's one of the two or three places where you know, that's a really big deal in Nebraska that the football team is great. I thought Scott Frost was the perfect hire, absolutely perfect. And I saw a statistic that they are something like 5 and 21 in one yeah. score games under him. How about that? And it's, about it, that? It, it, we both thought it would work. It's not working.
2: Tony,
5: it's not. Tell me it is not working. And he, but he, they, they, they make big, big mistakes, not just the little ones like a game mistake, like hitting on sides when you're up 11. You go up eleven. Well, you, you kick onside. Where well, you, you at that point? You just think you're superior. Clearly, that's what he thought. That's right. But so they, they make big mistakes. Like they 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 didn't get a bye week. They they play Saturday and they play mm-hmm. against North Dakota, a team that is I know it's division two. They still they could beat them. And they they their kids they got on the bus and went straight from getting a loss like that to the airport to fly back to Omaha or Lincoln. And they, didn't, they, didn't, they don't get it. And these mistakes, Tony, when you make these kind of big-picture mistakes, you, you make a lot of mistakes. And they just seem to have big judgment mistakes in Nebraska. And, and this That's one amazing. got them. And so, you know, I, um, I, I just loved the way we played. Look, we got – I told you before, I said, I don't know how good we are this year. I think next year's our year. Like two years ago was our year. Um, and four years before that was our year. We can be good like that. We're not going to be like the other power fives. Our conditions, our circumstances are different. But we got two running backs, a quarterback in a line that gave up no sacks to Nebraska. Okay? No sacks to Nebraska. And we got two running backs who had like 250 yards together. And a quarterback who threw for three, 320. We can play. Now, we play Duke next after a bye week. And we need some revenge against Duke. I, I, I know it's Duke. It's Duke football. It's not like Mike Krzyzewski's walking out there. But I, 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 wanted, I want to crush Duke. I'm going to go to that. Okay. So it was a, it was a big deal in a lot of ways. Tony, the stadium they have in Dublin. My God, beautiful. And all these soccer stadiums and rugby stadiums that have been built recently around the world because they host soccer and rugby. They don't host, you know our football, and Ireland is fascinated with college football, which is a, a weird dynamic, which I won't get into, but I did explain that to you, I guess, via attacked.
0: You did. You did explain it, it last night. It's week. all,
5: it's worldwide fascinating. And uh, in the Sunday uh, Sunday Times yesterday, there's a picture on the front, A1 of the Sunday Times in Northwestern and Nebraska. So this was, for us, for Northwestern, it, 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 I, Look, we're still a little school. I get it. We're in the Power Five. We're in a conference that has more ambition. Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, was taking a lot of heat from a lot of people as he was elected commissioner. He ain't taking heat now. How's it looking now for the Big Ten? Looks pretty damn good because this guy is brilliant. He's he's going to be a great commissioner. He's already already that. No, it looks good. We had a picture on the front of the Sunday Times.
0: That's a big deal. Well, it's an oddity because it's American football, but that's a big deal. What are you doing? Where are you now? I'll get you out of here on uh, this. Tell people where you are now and what you're doing.
5: I'm in in, uh, Palo Alto, California. We're very close to it. Menlo Park. It's an unbelievable resort. Rosewood. These things have popped up, and they're fabulous wherever they are. I stayed in one in Asia a few years ago. But this is – I'm here – Going to Stanford Golf Course in a couple of hours to uh, be a bad boy for Amanda Balionas, Amanda Renner. Now we yeah. we host, and by that I mean she hosts and I assist. I'm like the Carol Merrill of, uh, <laughs> of, uh, of, of 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 Steph Curry's wonderful golf charity event. Yeah, and I've done this a few times now. And Steph said to me a few years ago, "I'd love it for you to do this. I'll send you a ticket." I'm like you're not sending me anything. I'm happy to be there. And this is Steph Curry and his wife. They do something. You know, people, people can sit back and they can say, yeah, no, "Yeah, Steph Curry. He's not. You know, the media loves him. They painted him as this and that. Steph Curry and his wife have a foundation. It's called Eat, Learn, Play. Okay? And they, what they do is, one of the things they do, they, they, they raise money for people to eat. You think that's essential in the world? To eat for people who can't afford it. And they, they, they distribute millions of meals to people who can't afford it. And that is why I said to Steph Curry, I won't be there. And he said, you can't get there from Ireland. Don't be stupid. I'm like, yeah, 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 I actually can. Because of Google, Tony, Google's European headquarters is now in Dublin. And because of Google and other, I mean, again, Dublin is a place that I had no idea. Dublin is European headquarters for a lot of big-time international businesses, high-tech and tech businesses. They're nonstops, which was ten hours and a half yesterday from Dublin to San Francisco. But so I did that yesterday. I left at noon. Left Dublin at noon. Got here at three thirty. Uh, immediately slept because I, I my body's all screwed up. and I don't jet yeah. lag doesn't affect me normally historically. But this is like you and me coming from Korea in nineteen eighty eight if you remember what that was like. Uh, I fell
0: asleep and, at the kitchen table. My head yes, went down on the kitchen yes, table. That was Yes, it.
5: I, fell, I fell asleep at the, at the check-in desk, at the front desk <laughs> of the
0: I remember that. <laughs> I just,
5: that was it. They carry me to my room. So that event that's sponsored by Workday will be later this month. In a couple of hours, actually, you start these events very early at the Stanford Golf Course. Good. And this is what Steph Curry and his wife do. So people, you know, and I... And I I don't want people, you know. I, I've done this a couple of times in my life for a new generation of people. This is not like me and you doing this for people that, I mean, Steph is, you know, still, he's, he's an old basketball player. He's 30, what, three, 30, thirty-four.
0: 34. You know,
5: LeBron did this. LeBron had one of these where LeBron basically paid for an entire university of kids' tuition at the University of Akron. And he said, you know, I'd love it if you could be there. Yeah, I'll be there with bells on. And so. You know, people look at these guys as players, and they want to debate who the goat is. And it's fine, fine. Steph Curry and LeBron James do things that matter to the world, to people's lives. They make people's lives better. And so, wherever Steph Curry does that, I, I, I'm I'm signed up for that. And okay,
0: I, I'm happy. Well, to enjoy do it enjoy yourself. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. I'll see you next week, somewhere down the road, and give my best to Steph Curry. All right, we'll be do, good. We'll do, Tom. All right. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we'll so take a break. Liz Clark will join us. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
4: This is the Tony Kornheiser, Show. Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: This comes to us from Cade Backus, who writes, Five months ago, I was lucky enough to get my first single played on this fine pod. At the time, I was planning to release a new single every two to three weeks, but my busy life as a homeschool dad, traveling performer, <coughs> excuse me traveling performer marathon runner and binge drinker set me back a few dozen weeks as it would i add parenthetically being a traditional country singer songwriter i figured i should write a good cheating song then i remembered i'm terrified of my wife so i wrote a kind of cheating song the result is this ballad called the best i've never had lastly despite my best efforts the love of athletic competition passed on to me by my own high school football coaching father I have not transferred to my two homeschooled daughters so I don't envision any name, image, or likeness deals in their future. However, I do occasionally get them to ride skateboards at the park while I run. If you're willing to Venmo me five bucks for a beer, I'll gladly scrawl TK show across their safety helmets with a Sharpie. Ask Michael how to Venmo. That's Kate Backus. <laughs> this is the best I've never had. And Michael, if people wanna, like Kate Backus want to send in their original music, how do they do so? Send us your music
1: by emailing it to jingles at tonyquanizershow.com. I'll look for the QR code on the bottom of that email. You should do that. Yeah, and we can Venmo people, whatever Venmoing Care is. Careful what you offer. Yeah,
0: I don't really want to do that. I suspect Liz Clark joins us now. She's in New York. She wrote an enormous piece yesterday, really a long piece on Serena Williams, in which you, Liz, gave her you gave her credit, but also quoted John McEnroe and Chris Everett and Paul Annacone praising her as. You know, what they say she revolutionized i mean, if Chris Everett says it, for God's sakes, she revolutionized women's tennis. Can you explain that?
4: Yes, um first of all, good to talk to you. Thanks for having me, Tony. Um, it, the The point they were making, and that I was trying to make in turn, is that she doesn't just leave as the the player who won the most slams in the open era. She leaves a game that is forever changed because she competed. So first, inside the court, you know, it's the power she brought to the game, the power of her ground strokes, of her serve. Um, It really forced other women to up their game. Um, You know, we might remember an era where Justine Hennon, you know, uh, other – you know, physically smaller players with a a, a lighter touch. Although Justine had had a pretty, did well against Serena, but it did just, she she introduced a power that just set a higher bar. Um, So, and then I think she also introduced a, a competitiveness, an absolute determination and the full range of emotions behind this competitiveness that, women didn't traditionally show on a tennis court. I mean, Chris being the archetypal, you don't express your emotions, you keep that bottle up, right? But that it's it's okay, and it might even help you if you scream and roar and stare down and, you know, do whatever you need. She made that okay for all women to do. Um, I think because of, you know, The fact that she is black, that she came from, could not have come from a more different sort of pipeline to the top ranks of tennis, not only Compton, you know, taught by her parents, um, but really took no part in the traditional junior ranks. It completely blew open the notion of uh, who can play tennis, who who can dominate tennis, that this sport can be... For for you, you don't have to be uh, a a silver spoon uh, country club uh, child. And, you know, money She totally reset what women are worth, you know, what what female athletes in tennis are worth. Um, Venus more vocally advocated for equal pay. But this goes to sponsorship money to primetime television, um, you know, which was a big, big deal that 2000 and. One U.S. Open that was first put on primetime TV, and it had Venus and Serena. Just so she she will retire with ninety four million in career earnings. not the sponsorship. That's uh, history making, and that that takes the women's game to a new level. So sorry to be so long winded, but those no, are some of fine. the ways in which she changed it. it. It's not the same. It's a different sport than she. She waited into
0: at age 14, 15. She's going to be 41 soon. She's been here forever. She's playing tonight at 7 o'clock um, on ESPN. They're thrilled to have her because she's going to draw an enormous number. She's playing a woman I have absolutely never heard of. And I would ask you, is this it, do you think? is this? Does she... Maybe she can win a couple of matches. But do you think her appearance at the U.S. Open is actually it? Or might she play Wimbledon next year or the Open next year just for old time's sake?
4: Mm. Well, if you read the article, the essay she wrote in Vogue, which which triggered tons of global headlines, Serena Williams announces retirement. She doesn't put a date to it. It's not explicit. She leaves wiggle room. You know, she speaks about... Um, transitioning away from tennis. So, and then just this week, she announced that she'll be playing doubles with Venus here. So say she could lose tonight that ends her singles campaign, but she'll play on in this tournament in doubles for a while, maybe till the end. Um, if she gets past this first round, she sadly plays this, likely plays this number two seed in the next round. So that would be a much tougher lift, but, I am not sure that after her singles match, last singles match, her loss, whenever it comes, I don't know that she's going to put clarity to it, absolute definitive clarity to it. I mean, why would she? Um, I, I feel like this would be her last U.S. Open. Yeah. But I wouldn't be stunned if she had a second thought, maybe, and we see her again, either this season or... but. She's also alluded to wanting to have a second child, and, and that may dictate that. If, if she becomes pregnant, and, you know, you've got to believe at least two years will go by until she would be ready to come back. At that point, she'd be 43, yeah. so yeah. I think that answers that.
0: Yeah. Do you expect her to win tonight or lose?
4: I think she'll win. I mean, I, you know, her last match was a loss to Raducanu in which she did not play well. Um, Raducanu won because she kept the ball in play long enough and for an error for the most part. Um, so that was not impressive. That made me think, boy, Serena could not make it past the first round. But, you know, this is a champion. This is New York. And, yep. and she has been working hard. And her opponent is ranked 80th in the world. Um, I, I don't believe she's ever played Serena. It's it's just there are too many factors. I I think Serena is gonna rise like a phoenix, <laughs> you know, and I think she will win this. But uh, we we can't say enough about the the New York crowd and the electricity that I know you're familiar with that that is through the roof for really exceptional moments. Whether it's Connor's resurgence at age 39 or you know what was uh, Agassi's last match, or you know any time Venus and Serena played years ago. Serena plays it. It's, it's just you'll. It it might come across on TV, but not as much as sort of sitting there. I I think she'll win. Sorry,
0: I agree with that. I agree with it completely. Is, it is. there a second act that you know of with Serena? Is there something that she wants to do next that you mm. expect her to do next?
2: Mm-hmm. It-
4: well, it's certainly. She can choose from a vast array, and she's not telegraphed it. I mean, she she is uh, kind of an entrepreneur. I, I don't mean that. I shouldn't say kind of an entrepreneur. That's, but I mean, she has launched some businesses. She's an investor in some things. She um, so she could have a, a future in business. Um, she could have any commentary job she wants. I, I don't see her doing that. Um, I, you know, Nadal basically pleaded with her to stay involved in tennis, you know, in the sense that the sport is better when the champions stay connected to the game. So she can write her ticket. Um, but she loved her daughter. She loves being a mom, and that may. You know, family may come to the fore. As family has always been important to Serena and Venus, um, that may be her priority. But, the, you know, the, the wide world is open to whatever she wants to pursue, more than I okay. think any athlete I can name.
0: I will get away from Serena with the, what I think is the other headline of the tournament. Novak Djokovic didn't show up. He's right. not playing. He got booted out of Australia. He hasn't won a major all year. He's still one behind Nadal, and he has no chance to catch him this time because he's not there. I don't like Djokovic. We've gone through this a million times, but gosh, I, I sort of admire the fact that he's willing to stand by whatever principles he has and give up what could make him the greatest player of all time statistically. How do you feel about that?
4: Um. Yeah, so let me just say uh, uh, Novak did win Wimbledon this year. Um,
0: oh, I'm sorry. So, right. I, I apologize. So, but he still won behind. Just,
4: he's Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean uh, and so he's at 21. Nadal Nadal's 22. At 22. Um, so the only Grand Slam he contested this year, he He won. No, he did not win the French. He contested the French. Sorry to be Okay. Honest. Unclear. Um, but that's right. So, because he didn't he get beat by Nadal
0: in the French? Right. Didn't Nadal yeah, beat him in yes. the French?
4: Right? He sure yeah. did. He sure yeah. did. And Nadal was not well. You know, was really laboring right. uh, with an injury. Um, but but Djokovic had not had as much match play. Um, b- b- so, I mean, here's the deal. I, there there may be a year or two difference between them. Djokovic is younger. He has had fewer injuries. He doesn't punish his body to the extent Nadal does. So I see his career lasting longer than Nadal. I do think he still will finish with the most majors, if that's the metric you care about. Um, He took himself out of this U.S. Open, but was going to be taken out of it anyway, not because of U.S. Open policy, but, you know, it's U.S. immigration or customs. I'm sorry, I'm saying the wrong thing, but he would not be allowed in the country as an unbacked player. So in terms of empathy, sympathy for Novak not being able to compete at Australia and here, I have next to none. I mean, just because these are his choices and he is a super smart guy. He has made the choice to not be vaccinated. He has affirmative reasons why for him it's a risk he doesn't want to take. You know, he feels he is better off not putting this stuff in his body, whatever is in the vaccine, and I absolutely respect that. Um, and and I think his sacrifice in doing so is is pretty profound. It's 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 way more than you and I risk in some That's ways. Right. I mean, it, right. we're not defined by by being the greatest in the world at a particular sport. So the calculus is clear to him and he is a smart guy and he's a grown-up. So on those basis, no, I don't shed tears for him for missing this. Um, I, you know, I can certainly quibble with does it make sense? Does this policy make sense? You know, if the CDC is saying loosen up on COVID, you know, why is this policy not really in sync? That's a whole different conversation. Um, and and I think the the other men in the tour either think this is a stupid rule to not allow them to play, or think it's lamentable. I mean, a few will say, "Yay, that's one less guy I have to go through." But you know, Nadal was very clear. It's all the best players should be here. I'm sorry for him, um, but uh, I don't know if I've even answered your question. I think. You but have. it is the biggest story on the men's side, and it leaves the yes. men's field wide open.
0: Yes. Thank you. Enjoy yourself. We will talk to you as the tournament goes on, if that's okay.
4: Of course. Of course. Um, You guys take care. Great to hear your voice.
0: Liz Clark, boys and girls, we'll take a break. We'll come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening
4: to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: That is Eric DeLong and the Slappy Boys. I love the notion of the Slappy Boys. Nigel, you're not here. You're not where Bethesda Bagels are. Michael picked up the bagels today. We got bagel sandwiches, but why don't you do the ad anyway? Thank you. Yes, Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. That will do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me quote something from... Uh, Crash Davis talking to Nuclear Louche. Come on, meat. You're not going to hit me because you're starting to think about it already. Starting to think how embarrassing it would be to miss in front of all these people, how somebody might laugh. Come on, Rook. Show us that million dollar arm because I got a good idea about that five cent head of yours. That's lovely. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Liz Clark. Thanks to our sponsors, Trade Coffee and Indochino. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review.
1: As I drove to Bethesda Bagel this morning, I wish Nigel had given me more warning about the new speed bumps on Little <laughs> yes. Falls Parkway.
0: Are they yes, brutal sorry. on your car?
1: No, they just they slow it down, so you're never going to get the light on River.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. From Jeff Barger or Jeff Barger in Hillsboro, North Carolina, a frequent emailer. On Thursday's podcast, you said, "Quote: I went to high school. I can cut a bagel." Is this a Fredo Corleone moment? <laughs> I'll hang up and listen. From Jason Smoral, the general manager of the Syracuse Mets, who's been a fabulous contributor lately, he writes, from a promotion no one knew about or cared about, we now have started quite a thing. Not only is Dan Byrne flying in to come to the game, he did what Dan Byrne does, he wrote a song about the Syracuse Mets. We've received numerous emails, texts, and the like from well-wishers who can't come. We've received two notifications of possible attendance, and I heard on the last show some new little from Buffalo may make the trek out. The over-under on people who say La Cheeserie is still at five, but the line may move a bit. I need to talk to Jeff Ma and see what the process is for events like this. While we may not pack the stadium, it certainly is fun, and that is what minor league baseball is all about. From Eric Lundegon in um, Boston, who's the wonderful cartoonist, just a great... Artist. I had an idea for the one and only mascot for the Syracuse Mets, La Arenaite. I sent it along to the general manager on Facebook and the Twitter. I was thinking his name could be Sir E. L'Cheese, but if you think of anything better, let everyone know. It's a lovely picture. It's beautiful. I'm holding it up. No one but Michael can see it. From Doug in Charlotte, North Carolina, one quick question about La Arenaite. Do we know if Edith Saliza will be presiding as the queen of ceremonies for the evening? Maybe Louise Gluck would take the on in her absence. Just an idea. P.S. I actually saw the Syracuse Mets play recently against my local Charlotte Knights. Had I known the team's affiliation with the show, I would have spent the whole night shouting le cheeserie at their dugout until somebody gave me something for free. Instead, I spent the night heckling the center fielder number 15 about getting a haircut. Perhaps not the best example to set for my church youth group, but I had fun. From Teresa LeHaye. Or LaHaye, but I think it's LaHaye in Springfield, Missouri. Rope and a yardstick. It makes me so happy. From Andrew (laughs) Frank. Andrew, Bentonville, Arkansas. The shows from last week gave me some David Aldrich moments. One, I know a Liz Frank. She's my aunt taught me how to snow ski and hockey skate. My feet have not sustained any injuries due to those activities, thankfully. Ironically, she's rather short like Napoleon, but that is irrelevant. Two, I know a guy at Dartmouth. His name is Roger Goodell, or as he is affectionately referred to here in the Northeast Arkansas, Mr. Goodell. The restaurant in Hanover, New Hampshire, that one of the musical contributors spoke of as the Lone Pine Inn is simply called now the Pine. Or Pine, not the Pine, Pine. I worked there briefly while living in Hanover. Good Sir Roger was dropping his daughter's at Dartmouth in the fall of 2019 and had lunch at the restaurant. A very kind gentleman. Ordered a salad. Didn't make much of a fuss at all. Definitely a top 10 moment of my lifetime I will remember. I'll shut up and wonder why someone in Arkansas owns the Denver Broncos. P.S. From Michael, the wine and cheese themed MeUndies are particularly comfy this month. I have that to look forward to. (laughs) Quite a pairing. (laughs) From Jeff Lowe in Gaithersburg, Maryland. So Mr. Tony eats overpriced free cherries as he peruses the aisles of the refugee safeway. Hopefully he doesn't behave like the elderly gentleman I had to deal with 50 years ago. I was a produce clerk at a Howard Beach Wall Howard Beach is in Queens, a mostly Long Island-based supermarket chain in the early 70s. Several times a week, a tall, thin, older man would come in and put a handful of cherries in a bag. This is when they were sold loosely and not pre-bagged. And would proceed to march down the aisle and eat the cherries. But he won up, Mr. Tony as he would spit the pits on the floor, causing a mess and a safety hazard. Being a 16-year-old pimply-faced kid taught to respect my elders, I could take no action other than to walk behind him with a broom and clean up his mess. I felt like the guys on car-free Mackinac Island that walked behind the horses to clean up their messes. Although I wanted to take that push broom and whack him in the head or stick it you know where, I feared losing my $1.35 per hour job if I insulted a customer. There were a few grape eaters, too, that did the same before most grapes were sold of the seedless variety. Dealing with these slobs and misdemeanor committers, I left the supermarket business as soon as I could. A tall, thin, older man. Yes. Do we do one more? Is that okay? We'll do one more? Yeah, sure. From Michael Salamone of Salamone in Rochester, New York. I never thought I would hear you use my wife's hometown, Floral Park, New York, and my hometown, Rochester, in the same podcast. It occurred the day you were talking about Sawanica High School. My wife did not go there, but I remember hearing all about it. You mentioned how you wish you had gone to the University of Rochester in my hometown, but it's very cold there. My wife and I met at Niagara University in the 70s during the years of Frank Layden and Calvin Murphy. Great days for Purple Eagle basketball. One day in my freshman year, a few of us were playing intramural flag football one afternoon before varsity basketball started their official practices. Murphy was running laps, and Layden would come outside every so often to make sure that Cal was doing what he was supposed to do. Layden went inside, and Murphy came over, and he said he wanted to run a couple of snaps with us. He was a high school All-American football player in Connecticut. You don't say no to a Montego Ridge legend, so we let him play the wideout position. I opposed him as a safety, came right at me, spun around, caught a buttonhook pass. I took a leap at him, missed, and got a mouthful of sand. I can still remember him (laughs) flying down the sideline like a jet to score a touchdown. Good thing I missed him. If I'd injured him and prevented him from playing ball that year, I would have been the latest statistic of someone going over Niagara Falls. Love your show, (laughs) listening for years. Thanks for the laughs and the interesting information. Best of luck to you, your family, and your staff. Thank you to Michael. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone is always do wear white.
2: You want to talk real customers, kid? That's me. I'm like the mayor of Duncan. I go from
0: Marblehead to Revere. <laughs> it's great.
2: In anger, he fell down and giggled with glee. We fell down and smiled at each other. Closed my eyes, saw nothing.
3: Who oh, I've noticed for a while The way you look at me and smile You roll your eyes and twirl your head Start to laugh like you don't care it makes me feel I'm worth every good thing on this earth. To know a woman such as you can feel for me the way